Hi there, this is Lee from Open Door, and as always, I've been joined by my co-host, colleague and friend, Chris Galley. This was a really special episode for us, as this was the first time we'd sat down in the same room together whilst recording the show. So to record this week's episode, Chris and I went to the South Bank Centre in London to meet Emma Shepherd. Emma's an educator and the founder of the Maternity Teacher Paternity Teacher Project. The Maternity Teacher Paternity Teacher Project is doing incredible work inspiring, empowering and connecting teachers choosing to continue their professional development whilst on parental leave. Although the project's relatively young, it has a clear identity and ethos. It was a real pleasure to meet Emma and to learn a little bit more about the project. I hope you enjoy the episode. Chris, this is very exciting to see your face here actually it for is. a podcast. The first time we're actually sat down recording together. Yeah. It makes a difference. It does. It's really weird actually to be able to see the people you're talking to rather than just a computer screen. Yeah. How are you this week? Very well. And you know what? We're very lucky. We've got a beautiful sunset happening yep. behind us on the River Thames. And a lovely setting chosen by our guest today. Hi. Hello. How are you, Emma? I'm all right, thank you. I'm really, yeah, it's a bit of a treat to be here on a Thursday, isn't it? The, <laughs> the South Bank Centre is a really special um, um, place for me, actually. So I spend a lot of time here, and uh, it's a really fantastic place for the children. So um, it's, it's really lovely to be able to do a podcast here with you today. Awesome. Thank you very much. We really do appreciate your time coming to talk to us today. So let's get a little bit into it. Um, we always start by asking our guests what their route into education is. So what was yours? So I um, started off as a TA in in London in Oval uh, when I was finishing off my degree Um, and I worked in an all-boys school there uh, and I also sort of volunteered at my my church at the time with some young girls. I did some tutoring uh, for their English resets. And when I was working with them, I had this realisation that um, I didn't want to be a social worker. I didn't have the emotional capacity to sort of take on a lot of the things that were going on in their lives. But one thing that I was really good at was reading um, books um, and getting really excited about literature and words and writing. Um, And the difference that uh, getting those grades made in those girls' lives was was quite phenomenal. So um, that's where I sort of realised that teaching was was probably the option for me. And I I really loved being in school as TA, but um, I was frustrated about sort of wanting to make the next step there. So I trained through Teach First um, in 2010 in Watford um, as an English teacher. And... um, if I'm honest, I burnt out in my in my second year, in my NQT year, uh, and had sort of lots of decisions to make at the end of the NQT year. Um, I seconded at Watford Grammar School for boys, actually, and um, the team there were really supportive in sort of saying, well, you know, how can you teach, continue teaching and doing what you love, um, but also have a bit of a break um, from from this really stressful environment that was <laughs> my Teach First school. Um, and so I decided that I'd go and teach internationally. So I did two years in Vietnam um, at the British International School in Ho Chi Minh. Uh, I got married when I was out there, so I met my husband and got married um, and actually took uh, a bit of a housewife break in Singapore. They didn't suit me at all, as, as you can probably you'll learn from this podcast. Um, and uh, various decisions uh, in my personal life meant that we, we all came back to the UK um, and I got a job as a lead practitioner in um, in a Harris school in South London. Oh, fantastic. That's a secondary school. Yeah, so secondary English. 
uh, and I also have responsibility now for the initial uh, teacher training program in school, so the schools direct, um, teach firsts, PhD students, um, but also do a lot of research uh, for the senior leadership team, so I do the research project and then inform them of how to take various things forward, so homework, for example, or uh, at the minute I'm working on long-term memory retention strategies. Okay, so we're here tonight to talk a bit more about your other project. So that's your maternity teacher, maternity teacher project. So can you tell us a bit about that and what the project's about? Yeah, so we're all about parent teachers. We're a network for parent teachers in the UK. Um, we focus predominantly on the maternity leave period. Um, I try my best to use the phrase parental leave period, um, but the, the fact is that the majority of our audience are, are women um, approaching maternity leave, on maternity leave or returning to work, um, and we provide them with a baby-friendly networking space uh, in the form of coffee mornings um, around the country, so we operate in about 12 regional locations now, okay. um, and we have representatives in each of those locations. We also offer a um, very flexible CPD programme and accreditation, which allows teachers to get recognition and acknowledgement for the sort of um, very informal CPD that they might complete on, on maternity leave that's really, really valuable for their students. Um, and we also work a lot with schools um, and campaign on social, uh, social media a lot about making life uh, schools more life friendly we call it so making them easier places to work for parents and in in that way making them easier for everybody to work in schools uh, in what can be a, a high pressure environment uh, sometimes wow what an amazing project so how do you balance that out you know you're talking before about teacher workload and burnout and so you're now juggling full-time parenthood as well as side project and the teaching position um, I think I've, I've learned a lot uh, over the last four years of, sort of being pregnant and having the two children about compartmentalising and finding slots of time to do things so um, I've become quite efficient in my use of time but also in um, become very good at saying no to things um, and prioritising what's important and deciding what I want to do and what I don't want to do and the fact is that the project is something that I really want to do um, it's really important to me, it's really important for start but it's, it's a huge passion um, and there's certain things that I don't make time for so um, we outsource our cleaning for example um, because I don't want to spend a Saturday morning doing that when I could be doing things that I would rather do um, and I use my commute quite effectively for emails but I also um, have a fantastic team that support me um, and I delegate to them and because none of us are paid for what we do really um, we have a no guilt no pressure policy that applies to me as much as it does to the team and the, the teachers that we work with so if there's something that I can't do or an email that I can't reply to straight away I just I don't worry about it so much and I really like that you've talked about the no guilt no pressure policy for yourself mm. but you also really emphasise that with um, the maternity and paternity teachers you've got with you and um, your CPD so how do you ensure that um, they don't feel the pressure to do it but they also feel supported mm -hmm. and how do you encourage and motivate them 
without overstepping that line? Oh, I think there's, there's, a, there's maybe three questions in one there. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so I think the first thing is real empathy with, with their situations. Um, I know that I am good at doing lots of things uh, all at the same time or very, in very quick succession. And um, I know exactly how stressful a very simple thing like trying to get children out of the house is and how what a negative impact that can have on your mental health when things just don't go right or you can't finish a conversation or you're half an hour or an hour late for everything or you miss whole things that you've planned to get to because there wasn't a lift at the place that you were going for. So, you know, even with the best will in the world, um, having children comes with logistical um, complications that that can't be avoided sometimes. You, know, you don't know how they're going to sleep, you don't know if they're going to projectile vomit on you when you've just got <laughs> dressed for the third time, you don't know if you're going to leave the house and they're going to... Are we allowed to swear on the podcast? No. Yeah. Oh, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we can you, don't, you don't know yeah. if they're going to poop everywhere. <laughs> yeah. um, and all of these things, you know, they're not within people's control necessarily. So having that understanding makes it very easy to work within the no guilt, no pressure policy. Um, but also the experience of being apologised to so many times for things that should not be apologised for, it actually makes me quite angry. Um, so I've had teachers you know, apologise because they're in A&E with their children so they can't come to a certain thing or they missed an email because um, they were in labour. You know, and, and we have this culture within teaching to, to say sorry when we, we shouldn't be saying sorry that's then compounded as parents that we say sorry for things that aren't our fault, don't need to be apologised for, um, and, it, and it creates this real sort of hot pot of paranoia and um, insecurity and has a massive knot on confidence. So when I find myself sort of thinking, oh, why haven't they replied or they said they were going to do this, I remind myself that actually they're probably feeling guilty and it's my job to to remind them that they, they, there are priorities in their life and their family comes first and they don't need to apologise to insignificant old me who, who has, you know, I'm not, I'm not a priority in their life, actually. Their, their children will always come first. Or that cup of coffee will always come first or that lion will always come first. And I absolutely understand that. Um, I think when it becomes more of a logistical uh, question where... We've, we've got structures and systems that we that we follow and our admin essentially is it's all about the communication and the tone of emails so um, if we haven't heard from somebody for a little while we want to know if they want to continue with our coaching um, we we just keep in contact with them and we say we haven't heard from you for a while um, here are some options for you if we don't hear from you from this time then we'll assume that, that you're done with us and that's great we'll be here if you need us in the future and then we don't take it personally so um that's sort of how we get around it. That's a great approach. I think it's a very British trait, isn't it? Mm. To say sorry. All the time, <laughs> constantly. Mm. Just as you were speaking, I had a quick flick back through our messages mm. and remembering you giving that message to me mm. after I apologised for not calling on yeah, time. Yeah, in the holidays. You know, so, <laughs> um, but it's also a really interesting um, attitude to take back into my... Um, ITT role when I'm working with trainees um, I had an email from a trainee uh, this week that said I'm, oops I'm so sorry I left my water bottle in your room 
please, you know, could I, would you mind if I came and collected it? And I thought, oh gosh, she's been here a week and she's, we're already entrenched in this, this culture of, I don't want to offend, I've done something wrong, oh God, I'm not doing anything, you know, as good as I should be doing. And that's something that, you know, it's, it's so small, but it's having a profoundly negative impact on, on, on the state sector, definitely, and our education system in the way that we are developing and training and treating teachers. Yeah, I think it definitely has an impact, doesn't it, on your mindset mm. as an educator. Mm. I think you're always trying to catch up. Yes, and teachers are people pleasers, and I think um, part of what becoming a parent has taught me is that you can't please everybody. And actually, even if you are doing all the right things to please people, a toddler, for example, <laughs> or a, a newborn baby, there are you won't be able to please them all the time, and so. There's a lot of, um, uh, you need sometimes need to focus back on yourself and say, what do I need right now? Yes. And if that doesn't please everybody, then never mind. It's not the end of the world. They can please themselves some, some other way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm kind of going backwards a bit. I wanted to go back to the start of the project. Mm. And this felt like a bit of an obvious question, but also a huge assumption. Mm. But what was your motivation for starting the project? So I... Um, love motherhood but have not had a floaty time of it um, I've moved, I am very much in my own head quite a lot I'm highly analytical um, I like to read and research and um, sort of evaluate what's going on in front of me and it when I was sort of seven months pregnant I realized that that there were male colleagues who were the same age as me or, or a little bit older than me and therefore a little bit um, further ahead of me in their careers who weren't about to spend six months out um, and that that would you know, completely change the progression of our career paths in the way that the man even if he had children, because there were there were some teachers who had uh, sons at the same or children at the same time as me, um, whose career hasn't necessarily stagnated in the same way that that women's have, and it was sort of it's almost like watching a tidal wave come towards me, and I thought, well, what do I do? Do I just accept this something that is hugely important to my life um, and my identity? Uh, teaching, it's I love it. I absolutely love it. I don't know why I, would, I can't consider doing another career. I don't know why I would do. Um, and I think a lot of teachers feel that way. It's ingrained in our identity. Um, and the, the response that I got from people who knew me and people who cared about me and just the general sort of social messaging was, just wait, you know, have a pause. When the baby comes along, you'll be so sort of um, wrapped up in the baby. You won't be able to think about anything else. Motherhood's going to completely transform you. Um, you know, your number one priority is the children. Don't worry about your career. Your priorities will change. And I found that um, felt like I was walking into a sort of trap. Um, because I felt like I was being told not to do the things that I loved because the, the baby was coming and and I love my children but it, I even isn't it silly that I have to qualify that I love my children <laughs> when I'm talking about my career because social messaging says make sure you say you love your children and don't just talk about your career and your professional identity otherwise people might think that you don't love your children how ridiculous you don't really have to see dads yeah. qualify that do they <laughs> um, but um, what what I found was that actually um, 
reading, researching, blogging, visiting museums, um, visiting the South Bank Centre, um, where we are now, um, getting out and about, networking, going to conferences with a baby was you know, really thrilling. Um, it, it fulfilled me, it gave me that buzz and that motivation, um, and uh, I enjoyed it far more than some of the NQT, um, NCT activities that I did or some of the baby activities that I tried um, because it, it felt almost like stepping into this bubble where we'd become mummies rather than real people um, and I found that really quite suffocating so um, I started doing my own CPD and the more that I reached out to, to other people the more people were saying exactly the same thing as me and that there was a lot of backlash at the beginning um, some criticism um, some people who just some uh, got called a satire at one point. Um, lots of really damning comments like, "If you have time to do this, then you're not doing your motherhood properly or parenting properly. You know, it's impossible to to read a book with a newborn baby. Um, what sort of impact do you think you're having on women with postnatal depression? You're raising the bar for people." and setting expectations that are going to be impossible to live up to and therefore create more pressure for mothers at a really vulnerable time in their lives. Um, and so there was a sort of conversation around choice there that I think needed to be happening in, in, in wider society about what people choose to do with their time, full stop, generally. Um, so, so that's where it sort of grew out of. It grew out of a blog and a Twitter account. Um, and then we, we had our first coffee morning here, actually, at the South Bank Centre, just, just there, on those sofas. Um, and we sort of grew from, from there. I love how you focus on that word choice. Mm. And I think it definitely very much is about you know, giving women or men that choice of how they spend their time. Mm. I, I think I've seen from my own experience and friends and family that Maternity leave can be quite tough. It's you know, those first few weeks when you're at home with a baby, children aren't doing a lot. And I think there are obviously women who want to dedicate themselves to that, but at the same time, giving them that option to use that time to read a book, to progress their career. It's fantastic. Listen to podcasts, for example. <laughs> yeah. Start a podcast. Yeah, Radio 4 and was my absolute um, best friend on both maternity leaves because, you know, even if you can't get up to much physically or because, you know, baby needs, needs you all the time, um, there's still something going in your ear that is intellectually stimulating. Um, and, I mean, for a lot of people as well, we're quite lucky actually as teachers that um, maternity pay in comparison to some industries is, is fairly good yeah. but um, the money stops eventually and, and that could be quite isolating um, to not have the finances to be out and about all the time so to feel a little bit trapped at home and a lot of the sort of 1950s, 60s feminist theories about you know being at home and being domesticated and the attitudes, that the rifts in couples that come from that or not having the finances to do the things that you want to do and um, suddenly become really, really apparent uh, because you're not in, you don't have the autonomy to go out and meet your friends or go out and talk to other adults, which is, yeah, really interesting. Yeah. I think, as you mentioned before, that just having that support network mm -hmm. of people who are in a similar situation to yourself and to be able to network and share your own experience is also 
you know, potentially have this profound impact on her on her whole school. It's absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah. I think from looking at the project, I've been thinking very much about the mother or the father in the role and um, what they get from this as you know, it's a time I can't remember the exact term you used about the penalty. Mm-hmm. The, motherhood. the motherhood yeah. penalty of that time off. But to hear the benefit that the school itself mm. has received. Mm. Um, just to jump forward a little bit then, what more can schools be doing or what more do you feel schools should be doing mm. to ensure that they're giving people the opportunities to develop outside mm. and then come back and support the school? So I think the, the first thing is that important word choice. Um, there is the danger of creating an expectation and as much as I sort of have, have said before that's not what the project is about and there was criticism about that but we are very very careful about this idea of obligation so um, ideally we'd love um, the MTPT project accreditation to be part of the CPD menu um, for people to choose from in the same way that teachers choose their MPQSL or uh, to progress to headship or in the same way they choose to uh, complete their lead practitioner qualification, it would be great for, for the accreditation to be the option for, for a maternity leave or shared parental leave period um, simply because, you know, just because the MPQSL is available doesn't mean that everybody does it and just because the accreditation is available wouldn't mean that everybody would do it. But the, the topic is so complex and so specific to different schools and different regions and, and different um, environments that teachers are working in that it's quite difficult to pinpoint a handful of things that would, would make a big difference, um, which, which is almost why you need to, schools need to, to engage with the experts on this in order to, to make sure they're getting it right. Um, yeah. And at the minute... We are the experts, but we're also the only people doing it in the UK. Um, nobody, nobody, nobody is paying any attention to this maternity leave period. And I think that's probably the first step as schools start paying attention to it um, and understand the, the impact of not doing it well um, on retention and um, progression for, for women especially. Yeah, I mean, very much is the case that, you know, a woman or a man leaves on maternity, paternity, and the door is only shut behind them, and there's no contact for that whole period of time to be able to keep that conversation going. And whilst, really and whilst you're talking about paternity leave, I think that's a, that's, that's a separate conversation, but it's fascinating in that um, schools, schools are entitled teachers, male teachers who work in schools are entitled to share parental leave in the majority of cases um, because most schools, um, just their legal structures mean that they they offer it but very few men know that um, or do it or do it Um, even if they are offered it and they do know about it there isn't a great deal of financial incentive to do it so especially as, as a teacher you get 13 weeks of paid paternity leave a year um, with your holidays so it's quite difficult to justify taking time off Um, and one thing that would make a big difference there is if the paternity leave was paid in the same way that the maternity leave was um, to provide that motivation for teachers to take it a little bit longer um, with their their children because actually as unjust as it is for women to be 
still unfortunately losing out in, in general, not in individual cases, but in general losing out on their career. It's as unjust for fathers to be losing out on that early days with their children and to be expected to be working their full timetables when they're not getting any sleep as much as the, as the mother is not getting any sleep. And we've got a couple of dads at my school, for example, new dads, and there's that, there's that expectation around them that they just carry on when actually it's, it's exhausting. They're exhausting and they're missing out. Well, I can certainly relate to that. Mm. <laughs> um, and sort of related to that, I saw on your website, I think you had a link to a Guardian article that had lots of different facts and information about the issue. And there was one that I picked out that was pretty striking. It said more than half the teachers who leave schools to look after their families never return. Yes. And so looking over your hashtag, I've seen there's also a lot of um, discussion about the idea of part-time flexibility after returning to work. What's your view on that? Is that something that schools should be offering more? It's, a, it's an NFER article, uh, report, and it's, um, it's got this amazing um, flowchart of uh, incoming routes for teachers and outcoming routes for teachers. Um, so actually that statistic that you mentioned is, is quite deceptive because I think it's something like 7% we lose for looking after families and we only get 4% of them back or 3.5% oh, okay. back, something like that. But when you look at the sort of outflowing bit of the, of the pretty diagram, um, there's things like working in other, in the charity sector, working in the finan- private sector, working in independent schools, uh, teaching abroad, um, working in education but in non-teaching positions. And actually, that those those sectors could represent um, teachers who have chosen to move into the independent sector because they get a slightly easier ride as parents. That's not, that's not the, <laughs> the independent sector, I know, but you know, there's the perception there that working in an independent school is nicer in inverted commas, um, or they may have chosen to step out into the public sector because they can get more flexibility or the hours are more compatible with their children. So even though they're being officially lost to, for other reasons, the motivation for them going into those sectors is family-related, um, and if that's counted within that particular diagram, it counts for about 66% of the loss. So it's, it's very difficult to know how much we're losing. Um, and flexible working, um, we partner with uh, organisations like Flexible Teacher Talent and Return to Teach and the Shared Headship Network. So flex is incredibly important to our community, and it's, it's very high-profile. Um, topic with the DFE and women ed at the name at the moment. Um, I am always a little bit reserved about flex um, because I think in many cases it can be conflated with workload reduction. Yeah. And I hear too many stories of teachers who take a pay cut to work on their fifth day or work on their fourth and fifth day in order to preserve their weekend. And I think flex is one really important uh, cog in a much bigger wheel. So, and I think flex is also misunderstood. And because there's so much rigidity, rigidity around schools, sometimes saying no, we won't, we won't, we don't do flexible working. There's lots of innovative solutions that that aren't explored. So, for example. Um, flexible working could be coming in half an hour later every single morning but working your five days in order to do the the drop-off and without that half an hour 
the childcare logistics just aren't compatible and therefore you lose an entire teacher. So it's not a case that that teacher wants two days or three days a week. They just need that time um, to get their children to school. Or alternatively, they'll do their five days, but they need to leave bang on the dot at two in order to get there for the school pickup with their commute or whatever. So it's, it's definitely one option that schools need to work harder at um, facilitating. But I don't think it's the only answer to drawing teachers back into the profession after they've had children. Like you said before, giving a choice. As you mentioned before, you're kind of the experts, but also the only ones mm. doing anything like this at the moment. Do you offer support of those kind of innovative ways of bringing people back in mm-hmm. to schools? Can schools reach out to you? Yeah, so um, the, the, the one thing that we do is our um, accreditation process, um, and that's uh, as perfect for returners as it is for teachers who are taking their, just their maternity leave or their maternity leave period. Um, so we have maybe about seven or eight teachers completing our accreditation who have been out for two or more years so and they're looking to return to the classroom at the minute um, or have returned to the classroom since being on the programme which is really exciting um, and what that what the accreditation often does for them is empowers them to have the conversations around what they need um, and also to work, work through the, the reasons they left in the first place um, and often it sounds very emotive but some of the wounds that they're still carrying with them about having to make that decision or feeling forced to make that decision um, but also we, we've done a few pilot sessions with um, flexible teacher talent um, and return to teach focusing on um, sort of morning workshops um, for, for teachers who are looking to return looking at things like um, CV writing, interview practice um, applying for jobs sort of having negotiating conversations when they're looking for work and preparing themselves for curriculum updates and that sort of thing they may have missed so we've done that twice um, it was lovely it was really empowering and um, it's not something that we have the capacity to do at the minute so we're exploring sort of how we can do that better in the future um, so I've been checking your hashtag NTPT project a lot and um, I see a lot about how the project builds and extends community. There's a lot of very um, excited parents um, commenting on that a lot. Could you tell us a bit more, I know you mentioned earlier, but about how you're building and then extending and keeping community together? Yeah, brilliant. So our regional reps are the absolute key people for that. So. Um, they're teachers just like me who are in different regions across the UK and they just have a real heart for their, for their region. They know all the, the hot spots for CPD that are baby friendly and where teachers can also even get a bit of stimulation for themselves. Um, uh, they, have, they have their own school networks, but they also have their own sort of parent networks as well. Um, and they run term coffee mornings um, that are they sort of increase in popularity every time we do them. Um, but they also run events at local conferences. Um, 
so we have a session that we do called Life Friendly Leadership, or um, over in Bristol we've done um, some specific women leading in education sessions that are focusing on sort of um, on the motherhood penalty and, and balancing that. Um, but we've also got DfE funding in a few regions uh, to offer the accreditation and to build community there. So when we start partnering with schools, that's actually where we see quite exciting things happen because the schools have a much wider audience they can push things out to. Um, but if I'm honest, the, the majority of our sort of momentum still happens on social media. Part of that is because, you know, if you're feeding a baby, you're stuck on a sofa, you can't move, but you can reach for your phone and you can sort of tweet, you know, about cognitive psychology and how much you're reading about it or how interesting it is or this amazing strategy that you'd like to try out or whatever. Um, and that's a really helpful tool for, for mums. They've done some studies actually into how positively and negatively impactful smartphones are in, in the maternity leave period, okay. which is inconclusive, which is, <laughs> which is helpful um, because we're less isolated, but also we're spending more time on the screen and sort of, yeah, it's, it's, that's a whole interesting topic in itself to research. It's a whole of a show. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so starting to wrap up, where do you see the MTPT project going in the future? What are the next steps? So the wonderful thing about it is that it's only going to grow as big as I have time to spend on it. <laughs> um, which is really wonderful. And that's so um, our team of coaches, we've got a, a team of about uh, nine, ten coaches. And they've, they coach me as well as part of, sort of our team cohesion. Um, and one of the, the visualisations that I've worked on with, with one of our coaches, Alice, is um, a tree, and I see myself as a tree, um, and the tree weathers the storms when it gets busy, you know, in the middle of the autumn term, um, and it grows things and it nurtures things and it keeps things safe, and the tree's not going to go away and the tree's not going to blow down, and things will come and happily live in the tree, but the tree's also not going to take on board more than it can. <laughs> so there's the sort of piece there of... Um, Everything has thus far grown organically. We've never had to do any sort of hard sell for the project. Um, people come to us because we are the only people who do what we do. Um, and that means that we work with really engaged partners and really engaged uh, community of teachers. Um, and that's a really exciting um, community to be a part of because you're not having to convince anybody of what you're doing. And that's hugely different from the original, you know, the, where how the project originated where I was sort of having to say I'm not a freak you know there are other people who are who are like me there must be other people who feel this way no um, and so now we're in this lovely place where we'll we'll do what is needed of us um, and we'll say not yet if we can't do it um, it would be wonderful to think that we become a sort of staple network in the future for that were known to everybody um, and so teachers it's not a case of we heard about you too late but it's a case of we heard about you but we didn't feel like it or we heard about you and we're on board um, and it, I don't know I haven't really thought much further than that yet maybe we'll become a charity one day there's a lot of admin involved in that that I just don't want to do um, don't know <laughs> maybe, maybe to be a bit left field for an education mm. podcast but do you know of anything or do you foresee this ever having some kind of sister project 
that would be outside of education, so something that supports maternity and paternity in other sectors. So there are there are already coaching programs that are specifically uh, targeted towards the potentially the parenthood transition in in other sectors. What's interesting about them um, is that you've got you've got organisations like Talking Talent who work with the big the big accountancy firms, for example, and, and we've we've learned a lot from from their their websites and, and the work that they do. Um, but what's interesting is that teaching is a funny old beast, and there doesn't there doesn't I haven't seen in other industries that urge to keep learning about your job like there's the urge to want to talk to adults and there's the appreciation of going back to work because there's that stimulation and that people parents miss work when they're away from it because there is that sense of purpose but teaching no matter what you do in your life if you're learning then it's impacting your teaching profession and just spending time with a child and learning a child's intricacies is impactful to your teaching profession so it's almost like becoming a parent is very powerful CPD in itself if you're paying attention, you know, if you're if you're looking at it from an analytical viewpoint. Um, and I haven't maybe I just don't have enough non-teacher friends, I don't know <laughs> Yeah. But I haven't really seen that in, in other industries. What I have seen is where um, mothers in particular they go off and they and they have all these these side projects that are sort of really fulfilling for themselves um, and sort of charity work or local government projects or governance of, of organizations and that sort of thing that are really useful for their jobs but not necessarily as explicitly linked as teaching yeah I think that's a really nice way to sort of bring it full circle at the start you were talking about how as teachers we are so committed to our professions and I am as a teacher and the, the better impact that I have on the UK education system the better future I'm providing for my own child um, and the better choices I'm able to make as a parent for for the two of them um, and for me that link is very obvious so having, having spent three years with a project three and a half it, it almost seems ludicrous that a maternity or a paternity leave period wouldn't be valued so um, I'm sure we've got a lot of people feeling very passionate listening to this now. So for anyone listening who would like to promote it in their school or their local area, maybe become a regional leader, um, how could they get involved in the project? They need to drop me an email. Um, it's mtptproject at gmail.com. Um, or they can connect with us on Twitter at MaternityCPD. We have a Facebook group called the MTPT Project Connect. Uh, we're also on Instagram, um, but one of our regional reps deals with that because I'm, I don't understand Instagram. But <laughs> I think we are at MTPT Project on Instagram as well. Um, and essentially, if it lands in my inbox, then, then we go from there. We've got all sorts of posters um, and promotional materials that people can use. Um, and we also have all our templates and everything set up to work with new schools if they want to offer the accreditation as part of their CPD package. We do that already with 
two schools in three schools in the northwest, um, two schools in London, and these are big TSA federations, um, and one school. Fingers crossed if they get the funding in Hertfordshire. So we're we're all set up to work with schools and expand where the where the need is. Well, we thank you so much for your time this evening. I know it's really hard to get an evening off when you've got two young children. Oh, I'm delighted. <laughs> I'm going to go out for dinner and a glass of wine on my own in a minute. It's going to be great. Um, so thank you again. It's been a pleasure to meet you and to learn a bit more about the project. Thank you for having me. Wow, I don't know about you, but I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation with Emma and Lee today. Emma is such a passionate educator, and she's inspiring so many parents all over the country to embrace their parental leave as an opportunity not only for personal growth, but also for professional growth. And so if you're interested in learning a bit more about the MTPT project, then all of the links that Emma was talking about in the show, they're in the show notes, which you, if you scroll down on your podcast player, you'll be able to find all of those and you'll be able to learn a bit more about the project. So we'd love it if you could get involved more with the conversation. And so if you've enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media. Um, leave us a review on iTunes and there's a link again in the show notes where you can do that or just drop us a message on Twitter. Um, and so you can find me, I'm cgalleyedu, or you can find Lee at Mr. Blowers. Or why not um, leave us a message on Anchor? And the link to that is in the show notes. So we've got some wonderful guests lined up for the coming episodes, and so we'll be back very soon. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you shortly.